Welcome back, everyone, to episode 75 of the Guardian Project podcast. I'm your host, Andy. And Coyle, have you ever read the poem, The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost? Yeah. 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 You know, the one that starts with two roads diverged in a yellow wood and sorry, I could not travel both. You know who didn't read that poem? Hmm. Elegith Crossroads Augur. He knew which road to take. He is, I, and I assume it's the road less traveled. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's... <laughs> who 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 is this character? <laughs> the one that knows the he knows the road to take. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I wonder if this card's inspired by Robert Frost. I'll have to ask Gavin. Maybe I'll have to tweet that later. You think you think he's going to be featured in Call Time, Robert Frost? Since it's going to be like cold and snowy. Absolutely, Robert Frost. Forget Elegeth. Yeah. Robert Frost. Robert Frost and Jack Frost, like same card, <laughs> melt cards together. <laughs> Jack Frost. <laughs> and I'm your other host, Mike Coyle. And uh, you know, the other day, I, I, I finally won with my Zerzoth deck. And um, I don't really know how I assembled, assembled the combos. Whatever. The devil's in the details. <laughs> <laughs> And this is the podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering. But mostly Commander. So, uh, speaking of Zerzoth, you did play that deck last week on stream, and it did a lot of work. Yeah, it's so I've played the deck literally twice, <laughs> ever. And uh, the first time around that I played it, I just it did some chaosy things, and it was kind of fun. And then the second time, it was like, oh, this deck does do things. It's, yeah, you know, having to, I, at first I thought it was going to be difficult playing that on stream, but you know, you, you can really get everybody that's in chat involved yeah. because you're like, Hey chat, I need a number one to five to randomly discard. And, mm-hmm. uh, mm, I really hope it's not the one good card. Oh, it was goodbye. Chaos warp. Goodbye. It was my actual removal <laughs> to get rid of permanence. I was like, Oh, I don't think I have anything else. I didn't. And there was no other answers. I am I am uh, two for two in resolving an Aeon engine with my Zerzoth deck. So every time we play Zerzoth, that turn order is getting re- reverse reversed. You know, it's so funny <clears throat> that, that 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 did happen because we had people coming into stream and they were like, "This is actually unnerving seeing this going <laughs> in the opposite direction." <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then, funny enough, after we had uh, finished, we raided over to the commander rules committee yeah and there was a zerzot deck on stream there too yeah there was and 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 in fact um that player had both a goblin bombardment and a havoc jester out uh and and those were actually two of the the cards that i used to win um combined with a jaya venerated fire mage which after the player uh shared their deck list with me i found out they also played jaya venerated fire mage in there so Maybe my Zerzoth deck isn't very unique, but um, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, like I didn't, I didn't net deck it or anything. So we have the same ideas. Yeah, no, no, that deck I think is really cool. And, and you haven't tweaked it very much yet. So I'm sure that it will change quite a bit. And um, it's a lot of card advantage for you. Birthing bows, unwinding clock, put it in every deck. Yep. So I can take it with a thieving (laughs) skydiver for no value. Um, Another thing that we've been working on are art decks. So we're going to be playing an art deck um, with a specific art theme with Tap That MTG on our stream um, the night before Thanksgiving. So it's Mm -hmm. it's over a week from now. Um, 
or I guess when this episode comes out, it'll be exactly one week from the release date of this episode. Um, so I figured we could talk for just a minute about the decks that we built. So what are you playing for this art theme night? So this is actually my first Naya deck that I've ever built. Uh, okay. And, and, and we are we are playing Samut, Voice of Descent. Okay. Uh, in the art style of people yelling and screaming. So every single <laughs> artwork has a humanoid in in the artwork frame yelling or screaming. So I took out like, you know, like beasts that are yelling and blah, blah, blah. So it has to be a humanoid, whether that is, you know, uh, a human, an elf, uh, a goblin or something um, screaming or yelling in every single artwork, except for the lands. The lands I, I didn't do it bit with, but I'm not playing, uh, according to Architect, I'm playing a $6 mana base in my lands. So it's it's nothing nothing crazy and no fetch lands or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what the win condition is in this other than swinging with Samut. Uh, Samut's pretty, pretty great. You know, flash, double strike, vigilance, hastes. Um, and actually, one of my one of my favorite cards uh, in here is a card that we talked about in our uh, ten under ten episode, and that okay. is that is Martyr's Cry. It's a white mm-hmm. white sorcery. It says all white creatures are removed from the game. Players then uh, draw one card for each white creature that was removed from the game this way, which is which is also kind of cool. You know, in most decks, if you're playing white, your commander is white, but Samut. Actually, only has white activated abilities, so Samut doesn't get exiled with this ability. Okay. Um, so it, it has it has the ability to like make a bunch of tokens, and most of the tokens are white, and so I can exile the tokens for card draw. And so um, it also features uh, someone uh, yelling and or screaming in the artwork. That's funny. So, so I I initially was going to be building a deck that had. Um, the uh shoot what was my initial one that it was, I was working it was on? knees in the air well that's what it is now well oh, it's now okay. it's just now it's just bent knees bent knees so so th- in every in every card there's a character whose knee is bent mm-hmm. either they're sitting they're sitting crisscross style or they're like flying in the air and one of their knees is bent or they're they're kneeling down or falling, but their knee is definitely bent. <laughs> I, I remember you were you were thinking of doing music related. I think. Yeah, so everything was going to have like an instrument or like music notes or something referencing. Yeah, so it was initially going to be music, and I had a music deck that was tabletop a long time ago, like a sixty card, just like. But mm-hmm. there were multiple of them, like. Um, cards that just have like bards in them, or like there's liars in in. Um, uh, a lot of cards that no that no truth no truthers only liars only liars only gotcha. liars so i actually it's it's funny because i started putting this deck together um after i saw lisa shroud of dusk or or liza shroud of dusk mm-hmm. i'd like to call her lisa and it was you know it'd be really funny to do a music themed deck with lisa and have her from like the von trapp family where she can say adieu to you and you and you ah. but that's not that that was funny but I was like, I don't think I can I can do this deck, especially not the amount of time that I had. So Lisa Shroud of Dusk is the Orzov angel from uh, Commander Legends, and her knee is bent. She's like flying away, but her knee's bent. And so I said, well, let's see how many cards I can find with their knees that are bent. And so it was really fun because we use Scryfall Tagger. If you mm-hmm. also aren't aware on how you can find some of these, you can search for things that people have already tagged based on the artwork. But then as you do it or you find something, we can go into there and tag that card so that people in the future, 
you know, can see it, you know, for like Lisa, you can tag her as having a bent knee wings, holding a weapon, um, you know, I don't know, the sky is present. You just tag whatever Mm -hmm. you find. So some of my favorite ones, I think, were like the card planar cleansing. Oh, (laughs) yeah. There's a bunch of people in the air, but one of the people in the air is like legs are completely bent (laughs) and they're getting like cleansed away. Yikes. Um, Sore and vengeful bloodlord. I mean, there's a big old knee. Lightning Greaves, the specific artwork with the with the the bent knee running, oh, not yeah. just the boots. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was this was a lot of fun, a lot of fun finding cards like this. I I didn't realize there was a mono white fog card until I looked here from that also has a bent knee. Holy day, creatures attack and block as normal, but don't deal any damage. They're hmm. still tapped. You know. So anyway, I had a lot of fun. I posted it on Twitter to make sure that people could check my homework. Yeah, I was like, some of these are arguable. Yeah, I say I, I I think I have at least a few of the same things here because I was I was going to mention it that uh, it's some, the card smothering tithe. The character on that card is like puking gold, but they seem but like probably not. It's not doing it silently. No, there's probably a lot of anguish, but I don't know if that's yelling or screaming or if he's just like, Argh. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So as of right yeah. now, it's not in the deck, um, which actually does keep it under a hundred dollars. So I, I kind of, I kind of like that that extra caveat of uh, keeping it under a hundred dollars. So we'll see. Mine's at one fifty. I mean, we didn't have a budget or anything. We did. I figure if, if you if you're looking for specific things, it's hard. You know, I I, I put Sir Conrad in here. Sure. And you see his knee, but it's like barely. It's what's, trailing off. What's your because what's your most ex, what's your most expensive <clears throat> card in the deck? All right, let me with with right the now. artwork with the artwork with with the specific yeah. So not like a land or anything that maybe doesn't have the artwork. Okay, the most expensive card in the deck. Period. Yeah, is Sarah Ascendant. Okay, it's okay. a flying. It's it's fifteen dollars, but it's it's got, it's definitely got a bent knee as it's ascending. Right, right. How about you? Mine is Arachnogenesis, baby. I found a place <laughs> for it. That's really funny. I've got Rankle Master of Pranks is Ooh, in here. It's a, t- it's a yeah. $10 card. Did you know Erebos, God of the Dead, is like climbing up out of the dead? His I knee's did. up in the air. I had no his, idea. His knee's up in the air. Um, and then there's an Ajani from one of the dual decks, and Elspeth, son's nemesis, her knee's definitely bent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am playing Exsanguinate. There is a bent knee right in the front of that card. Damn. I'm going to get Exsanguinated. <laughs> you are. an Anguished Unmaking. I've got Anguish. You know, Addison nice. is like falling down and her knee's bent. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to play this deck. I'm yeah, so excited it's gonna to be play fun. this deck. Yeah, so... Anyway, um, tune into that game next week um, if you would like to uh, watch that live. Um, and before we start, if you want to support us, you can head to patreon.com. Thank you to everybody who supports us every single month, every actually every week or every day. We have a lot of people that talk about our show, reach out to us. And um, if you would like to join the family, um, you can support for any dollar amount. You know, I know we say family. Should it be combine? Would well, you like to join our combine? Join our combine. Cult? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Not a compound. Well, I mean, a combine. I don't know. It kind of. Yeah, I, it's it screams cult <laughs> to me. But you said simic combine, and I'm like, oh wait, Rakdos cult, simic combine. Those are two different things. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to support, again, Patreon.com/slash/GuardianProjectPod. If you want to put plus one plus one counters on <laughs> on all of your permanents, you can support us. 
Uh, and if you're looking for another way to support the podcast, really easy. Uh, whatever you are listening to the podcast on now, whether it's Spotify or YouTube, if you could leave a like, if you could follow, subscribe, hit that bell icon if you want to get notifications on our YouTube. Um, if you are on YouTube, please also check out our our uh streams from our uh, streaming on thursday we post all of our streams on our youtube channel as well um and we also have a tcg player affiliate link show located in the show notes below or the description below uh and if you want to follow there if you're looking for any of your singles or sealed product through tcg player we would very much appreciate that yeah and you know what's funny is we had a bunch of our links that we weren't putting in all of our show notes so we've also got our website down there we've got youtube down there now uh, the actual link to Patreon is now in the show notes. Do we do we hmm? put our do we put our YouTube link in our YouTube description? Um, uh, no. Okay, good, because that would be funny. That would be but, silly. Yeah, <laughs> but we could. Let's we could. Do it. Let's but just do it. Let's, let's just do it. Let's be rebels and put our YouTube link in our YouTube Ooh, videos. Ooh, baby. If I you want to find they... us, go find us on YouTube and then hit the link in the bottom to take you back up to the top of the video. This is how we're going to get banned from YouTube because it's going to be some arbitrary rule we don't know about where you're not allowed to like link to other YouTube URLs or something in your YouTube description. I don't know. Or, you know, who knows? Who knows? Um, Coyle, what are we talking about this week? Um, it seems we only have one subject to talk about this week. But it's a really, really cool one. It's our it first is. patron deck tech. Yes. So uh, Chris Kelsum, uh, he is the one that provided his deck tech for his Marchesa the Black Rose uh, deck. And I don't want to give away too much before we get into the details of this deck tech. Yeah, so Chris Wolf sent us his deck, um, also known as Kelsum Gaming on Twitter. And uh, we will um be breaking this down so i am i am very excited so uh you know are you are you ready to just like jump into it i'm ready ready all right let's do this all right so <clears throat> we are going to be going through a deck tech for marchesa the Black Rose. So um, if you were not aware, um, one of our patron awards uh, in one of our tiers is submitting one of your commander decks for patron of, or uh, for commander of the week. So we are going to be looking through a modular deck this week, um, helmed by Marchesa the Black Rose. Coil, would you like to walk us through Marchesa? Yeah, so Marchesa the Black Rose is in uh, arguably the best color combination in Magic. And I do say arguably because there's Sultai too. But so Marchesa is in Grixis. So we have one, a blue, a black, and a red for a human wizard 3-3 with keyword dethrone. And dethrone is whenever this creature attacks the player with the most or tied for most life. Put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And would you believe it, other creatures you control also have dethrone. Now, this deck is built around this last ability here on Marchesa, and that is whenever a creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. Yes, so this deck is going to be built <clears throat> in a way that sacrifices creatures, and we'll obviously get into all of these mechanics, but before we start, you know, this deck feels a lot like a deck you play. 
It does. It does. So it, uh-huh. it's it's like a deck I play, but also with blue and red. So it's it's yes, it, very similar to uh, Shirei, Shizo's caretaker, uh, in that that special keywording of at the beginning of the next end step. So that does not say your end step. Uh, therefore, you can actually use this ability or this ability goes on the stack at the end of every player's end step, uh, allowing for, you know, in a typical Marchesa deck and definitely in a Shirai deck for an aristocrat style deck of sacrificing your own creatures and returning them to the battlefield. Um, in, in Shirai, you have the caveat you have the creatures have to be power one or less in order for them to get this reanimation and here in marchesa the creatures have to have a plus one plus one counter on it but there is some extra synergy there with this dethrone ability from marchesa in order to get those plus one plus one counters but in this particular deck i don't think we're gonna have to do that very often i don't i don't think so either and what's what's interesting about this is that marchesa sets up a delayed trigger so if marchesa is not on the battlefield when when that uh, next end step hits, those creatures will come back, which is a little different than Shirei's, correct? Right. Because Shirei she, does have to be present. Shirei must be present at the time that the creatures. It's not the only when the I don't I don't even believe, and I, I correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. Even if the trigger goes on the stack, I don't think they come back if Shirei gets removed while the trigger is on the stack. I think Shirei still has to be present for the trigger to resolve. So Shirei yeah. is is very. Um, interruptible. Uh, where Marchesa, you know, you can you can get around. It's a it. little bit more work. It's a little bit more work to take care of this one. So, mm-hmm. um, so when Chris worked on on um getting us some information about his deck, um, he gave us a, a history about the deck, which is um really nice actually to set up how how he uh came came to this. So um you know he said that Grixis was one of the um hardest color combinations that that was. Uh, where, where he was finding it difficult to build a deck that seemed really unique. They they were, you know, building uh, or, or a mechanic specifically that seemed unique, right? Mm-hmm, Instead of mm-hmm. just playing, hey, I'm going to play these 15 artifacts and they're played in every single artifact deck. This one allowed him to play with some different artifacts. Um, and at the same time, um, one of his favorite mechanics was um, modular. So he really liked Affinity. Um, playing in a non-commander format. So uh, he wanted to see if he could focus on that type of a strategy where you you play modular cards like an Arcbound Ravager and you, you know, move counters around and then they can, you know, be reanimated in some other way. And so um, that that was kind of, you know, where this deck initially started to grow from. Yeah, very interesting um, take with with Marchesa as an artifact style deck. You know, Grixis does have a lot of artifact support, um, but Marchesa is definitely, you know, Marchesa being very creature oriented, you wouldn't think would be an artifact deck. But yeah, this this unique take on modular and um, yeah, taking notes from the Affinity Modern deck is definitely Definitely interesting, and you know, both of us have have had the opportunity to play against this deck. Uh, I believe more than once, and it's, and I, it, I think it, it might have lost to this deck on more than one occasion. Yeah, I think I think so too. It's I mean, it's it's a it it is it is a fairly strong deck. It's not it's not overpowered. You know, played not it in the all. right pods and everything. Absolutely. You know, Grixis Grixis yeah. is just uh, inherently good with with control mechanics, um, but at the same time. Um, like like Andy already mentioned, uh, Chris was trying to get this to be uh, like an interactable an interactable Grixis deck, not something that you throw the ten 
regular artifacts into and the 10 counter spells and the 10 removal spells and then you fill in the other 10 cards to make your Grixis unique deck but this one is actually very very unique yeah yeah specifically i mean he even mentioned i you know trying out brea and sharoom the hegemon and, and just saying you know they were fine but they weren't they weren't what he was looking for so um i think this is this is exactly where uh, the deck landed so specifically the the theme of this deck at its core um is an aristocrat style deck um you know chris did send this along uh, to no one's surprise so if you've played with Kelsum gaming before he does play a lot of decks that sacrifice bring things back might even loop it a couple of times with maybe a living end um and so anyway the the deck is is first and foremost an aristocrats deck but he said second it's an artifact deck so the sub theme there is is artifacts are number two and then the primary function is to get marchesa on the board put counters on things and then sacrifice them so that they return at the end of every turn and not just on uh on on the player's turn so that's really what this deck is so as we go through this keep in mind that it was specifically built for that and that while there certainly are areas that you could change cards um it was built with this mechanic in mind yeah so why don't you go ahead we have um really our first our first area to look at is plus one plus one counters how you can make them and why they matter Right, so there's there's tons of ways that uh, um, you're going to get plus one plus one counters on your creatures in order to make uh, Marchese's ability trigger at the end of every end step. Um, if you're not familiar with um, the keyword modular, which is what this deck was really um, the the namesake for this deck is modular. Uh, modular is a keyword on artifact creatures that says um, you know this creature enters with a number of plus one plus one counters. Usually the modular creatures are zero zeros. That enter with like one or one to three plus one plus one counters, um, and then the modular ability says when this creature dies, you have the ability to move these plus one plus one counters onto. Um, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull one up just so I'm not wrong. If it's another <clears throat> artifact creature, you move it or to a target artifact creature. Okay, you move it to a target creature artifact specifically. Yes. Um. So Absolutely. this. So this. This both allows your modular creatures to come back with the Marchesa ability as well as put plus one plus one counters on your artifact creatures that maybe do not have uh, the the modular ability on them um, in order to bring those cards back uh, with the with the ability. Right, right. So, um, and we'll go through individual cards, but I mean, we're talking Arcbound Ravager, Arcbound Stinger, Arcbound Worker, and then we've even got the new um, Scrapyard Recombiner from Modern Horizons that have this modular ability uh, stapled right onto them. Um, and since some of the these are some of the the better creatures in the deck, um, because that modular ability I mean means that really their counters can be moved to another artifact creature. So when these die, they're going to come back, and that other creature that didn't have a counter on it now has a counter on it. When that one dies it's going to come back and it just kind of starts it might potentially start snowballing which is what we've seen now i guess also we didn't mention this the deck is like a six to like a seven and a half depending right. on the pod you're playing it in um is what we have it tagged at um also we are going to have this deck list in the show notes below so feel free to to take a look it's a really cool deck um so keep in mind this was this was built to play with you know with friends it wasn't this is not some right. crazy tune deck that you're going to take to some pod and and um try to you know crush crush games this is meant to to be a very fun deck that has a lot of interaction Right. Interaction so, and interactable. Um, yeah, absolutely. So as long as Marchesa's is out, the, the deck is really functioning in a, well, I, if you remove something, 
I guess it's not really that big of a deal because I was probably just going to sacrifice it or 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 try to remove it on my own. Um, so it might be a problem now, but mm-hmm. uh, in this case, Marchesa is definitely a targetable creature. You would like it gone. Now they're they're going to put counters on Marchesa as well, but uh, um, that would be the way I guess to slow this specific deck down would be um, to to play Marchesa, um, and then. Um, there's lots of creatures that do things here that can put counters on. Um, and then when they die and enter the battlefield, they have abilities to help you draw cards or, um, I guess they really have other abilities to help keep you ahead. Right. Right. Now, yeah, the, I mean to, so, you know, dealing with, you know, this is at its base an aristocrat strategy, um, you you have a card like Grim Horsebacks, which which everyone is going to play in their Aristocrats deck and get you to draw cards. Uh, every time a non-token creature you control dies, you get to draw a card. And, um, having the ability on, again, Marchesa to do it on every turn, you might be able to to draw many, many, many cards before it even comes back to your turn for you to spend all that mana. Absolutely. So let's talk about making counters. So how are we going to put counters on creatures? So specifically, we've got cards like Steel Overseer. So Steel Overseer is an artifact creature for two colorless. Uh, It's a 1-1 that says tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on each artifact creature you control. There's a a lot of artifact creatures in this deck. There is quite Um, a few. There's there's quite a few. Uh, We've got Metallic Mimic. Metallic Mimic, you choose choose a creature type, and when um, each other creature you control that enters the battlefield um, will enter with a plus one plus one counter if it's the creature type that you chose. So um, specifically in this deck, this is a this is one of the ways that you put counters on Marchesa. So Chris did advise that Metallic Mimic is usually naming human so that the counters can be placed specifically on Marchesa. Mm-hmm. So that because because Marchesa's ability can bring Marchesa back herself. Absolutely. Yeah, so. which is really good. And then I think that the, the the next one is really, you know, it's funny. I, I always forget this card exists. And it's a card that I, I wanted to add to a deck that I did take apart. But the card is Unspeakable Symbol. So it's an enchantment that costs one black black. And it says pay three, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. You you pay three life. Pay three that. life. No mana. Pay Wh- three life. No mana. How could there be downside? You know what the best part about this is? Is it specifically works so well with dethrone, right? Because a lot of the time you might be able to block things until you know the end of time, and then you have the highest life total, and you're like, well, you know, I dethrone's not really do, doing a whole lot. Not not that dethrone isn't important here, but mm-hmm. sometimes it'd be nice to just be able to swing at someone else that has life that's higher than yours. Using unspeakable symbol and paying three life to get yourself under somebody else so that you're not the highest so dethrone will trigger seems like a really interesting way to go about this yeah absolutely um the one thing that you do have to be careful with it's the same it has this unspeakable symbol has the same kind of downside that necropotence has and this might be very unique and only specific to certain play groups but if someone controls your turn you lose the game because they're just going to pay 40 life into it. Well, in this case, in multiples of three. So 39 life into it. Uh, you cannot pay life that you do not have. So if you don't have a multiple of three life, you won't You won't die. Well, I want to pay all your life. So You're going to pay most of it if, if I don't have a multiple of three uh, in, in my life total. Um, so it is one thing that you do have to look out for. and But it is a, it is a, you could be very greedy with it. But it's such an easy way to just put plus one plus one counters on everything. 
It's so interesting. And, you know, I used to play an Exava Rakdos Blood Witch deck, and I forgot that Unspeakable Symbol existed, and that is a card that probably should have been in that deck and was not. Right. Um, and and, the, and this deck, or this card, um, particularly saw an uptick in, and, and I know the, the price. You can get it for under $3. Um, but it was a lot cheaper before uh, Villas, Broker of Blood, was printed. Ah. Yes, because a three-mana enchantment where you can just pay three life, draw three cards, and put a plus-one, plus-one counter on your giant flying uh, demon commander uh, is, is pretty darn good. Yeah, that's great. Um, one of the next cards here, um, a very interesting card, Extruder. So it's an artifact creature. It's a 4-3 four, for four mana, just four generic mana, that has Echo, so uh, Echo is at the beginning of your upkeep if this permanent came under your control since the beginning of your last upkeep. You sacrifice it unless you pay a cost. Um, so it's usually the cost of, of the creature itself. Um, this, this is an artifact creature that says sacrifice an artifact, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Mm-hmm. So you can put counters on the creature that you are most worried about getting removed, like like Marchesa. You're like, all right, I guess I'll sacrifice this artifact, which is potentially an Arcbound Ravager. And then I'm going to move the counters from Arcbound Ravager to Extruder. And then I'm going to put the counter on Marchesa. And now, and now Arcbound Ravager comes back and everybody's happy again. It's like, oh my gosh, the, like the loop. And I didn't even realize this card existed. Yeah. I didn't uh, it just seems really, really fun for a deck like this. Yeah. And it's important to note that Extruder can put plus one, plus one counters on itself. So it, it can save itself and then you can not have to pay the echo costs and then it kills itself with the echo trigger and then it'll come right back with the Marchesa trigger. So that's, yeah, that's really cool. Sack outlets are a premium um, and, and, and we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but we know that losing your sack outlet in a deck that needs a sack outlet is, is pretty detrimental. I mean, like I know we mentioned that you, you play a Shiray deck, but mm-hmm. sometimes after that Ashnod's altar or the Phyrexian altar is removed, you're like, I just need a sack outlet. Yeah. I just got to get to one because I can't do a whole lot until I have it. So you, they're, they're like pre, they're, they're primo Absolutely. in decks like these. Absolutely. Now, um, typically when we are building a deck and we're giving suggestions to build a deck, may, maybe this is only personally, so, so Andy, you tell me if you agree. Um, I, I tend to stay away from some of these, uh, what I consider win more cards. And um, I, I think if a win more card only cost me one mana and was also an artifact, I might very, very well consider this to be a worthwhile win more card. And we got one of these for this particular deck in, yes. in, the, in the newest set of Ikoria, and that is the Ozolith or the Ozolith. Um, yeah, the Ozolith is so good. Yeah, so so the Ozolith allows you, uh, whenever a uh, creature you control that has any counters on it dies, you can put those counters on the Ozolith, and then at the beginning of combat on your turn, you can move those counters from the Ozolith onto that creature. So in a deck that is an aristocrat's deck, all about plus one, plus one counters, you're just going to start building and building and building this huge, huge stack of plus one, plus one counters, which is really, really cool. On top of the fact that modular, if you stick all these counters on a modular creature, not only do all the plus one, plus one counters go to the Ozolith, but they also go to another artifact creature. You know, it's it's a, those two abilities um, will both occur. You don't have to choose whether to put the plus one, plus one counters on the Ozolith or a creature. The Ozolith will get the counters regardless. Yes. And and it's nice because you can sacrifice, let's say you play Marchesa and you sacrifice another creature like Arcbound Ravager, and then you put the counters on the Ozolith, and then 
you go to combat, you put those counters on Marchesa at the end step, Arcbound Ravager comes back. Those 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 counters have now just moved to Marchesa, and and Marchesa is not an an artifact. Mm-hmm. So um and because modular requires that it moves them over specifically to an artifact creature. And with the Ozolith, you can get counters that aren't just plus one plus one counters, which is interesting. Not that I've looked too much at the synergies here of of whether or not um there's there's any sort of like reach counters or trans the keyword counters, which is specifically what the Ozolith was really unique to play with. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting that those all those counters can just get thrown onto the Ozolith here and then thrown onto Marchesa because Marchesa then requires um, two removal spells to get rid of. That's right. And that's if you don't also have your Metallic Mimic out that makes it just enter with a plus one plus one counter already anyways. There's, Absolutely. Yeah, there's I mean it, it, now the one the one thing you do have to look out for and we keep talking about how resilient this this deck is to removal is it does say when this creature dies. So it it does have to be destroyed in some way. If you do exile the creature, you do kind of get rid of it forever. Um so you you do if you ever happen to play against a Queen Marchesa or sorry, not a Queen Marchesa, Marchesa the Black Rose deck, um, it is important to know that exiling is going to be your best friend. Yes. Well, and also remember, the Ozolith does in fact say whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield. That's so if true. someone bounces all those things, you do get to put stuff on the Ozolith. I mean, I guess a Cyclonic Rift, then then you don't. But um, I think the Ozolith is a really interesting card in a deck that's built this way. Absolutely. So let's talk about some utility cards here. So um, specifically, um, Chris mentioned that he does not run much protection um, in this deck in the form of, um, you know, Hexproof or, or Shroud um, because the deck really revolves around the idea of cards are just going to come back into play anyway. So go ahead and remove my creature because I, I pretty much need it to die and then come back because that's really just going to help me. So um, some utility cards here. There is a Lightning Greaves. It's the only um, real protection in, in the deck, um, because it has a zero cost activation. And, um, you know, specifically this deck has cards that cost quite a bit of mana or, or are, are specific. They're like color intensive. We've got a nickel bolas dragon God here. Um, there's, there's a couple of planeswalkers with, with two color pips, obviously Marchesa costs three colors. Nickel bolas dragon God has three. So there's not a ton here in the form of, um, protection for specific creatures right now um you do get a little bit of of protection from from spells and stuff though uh one 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 card that chris really pushes and and says we should play more in commander and i don't disagree not that i have it in any decks that i own it's a really good idea and that's spell you know it's spell is a a house in modern and again that's kind of where uh chris came from when when he built this deck from his affinity deck so you have spell and spell has an ability to pay a phyrexian blue in order to redirect a spell to spell and this could be really good to help um you know make it so someone has to use two different pieces of removal just to just to exile marchesa or something like that um and because they have to get rid of spell sky first it's even really good against um you know uh, a voltron deck if they're running enchantments because you can go oh i change the target of your enchantment to my spell sky instead which is actually how it's really played in modern against um boggles, boggles. against pants yeah. on boys 
Yeah, yeah, I lose to that in modern with the Boggles deck. But it's nice because if you can put a plus one plus one counter on Spellskite and then target itself, obviously with, with its ability to uh, eat up one of those removal spells, let's say it's just destroy target creature, uh, Spellskite's gonna just come right back. It yeah. can be that can be pretty nasty if you if what you're running is targeted removal and not um, obviously board wipes or or mass removal here. Although the spellskite will keep coming back, that will be a problematic card. Um, and I do agree. I do think spellskite is probably a little underplayed, um, and it's affordable now. I remember it used to be a little bit more, but it looks like it's around five bucks now. Um, so really interesting. Uh, specifically to have as your removal because it's an artifact creature that can benefit from all of those modular triggers. Yeah, speaking of um, this this Spellskite returning over and over again with the plus one plus one counter, uh, we do see a, a non-artifact creature in this suite of protection as well at Glenelendra Archmage. So Glenelendra is a uh, fairy wizard, or Glenelendra Archmage, sorry, Glenelendra is not its name. Uh, Glenelendra is the type of Archmage that, that this fairy is. Um, it's a 2-2 fairy wizard uh, for four mana with flying that you can pay a blue to sacrifice it and counter target non-creature spell. But this creature has a keyword called persist. So if this creature does not have any minus one, minus one counters on it when it dies, it returns to the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter, which can very easily be uh, taken away by putting a plus one, plus one counter on Glenelenda Archmage, making it almost infinitely returnable. Yeah. It's a very good card. I also feel like Glenelendra is a card that was very expensive. It might be more realistic now. It's around $8, but this card uh, coming back with the minus counter and then getting a plus one, plus one counter put on it from virtually everything, I feel, in, in this creature suite. I mean, not, not exactly everything, but there are so many ways to put a plus one, plus one counter on this. You're going to have a counter spell s sitting out just waiting, just waiting. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you with that non-creature spell. Now, it's if, really strong. Now, if Glenelendra Archmage has a plus one, plus one counter on it, and you use a blue to sacrifice it to counter a non-creature spell, you can... I, I, I think it does still come back with the Persist trigger immediately. I don't think you can choose not to have it come back with the Persist trigger. So there's probably not too much of a benefit to putting plus one, plus one counters on the Glenelendra Archmage before it has that minus one, minus one counter on it already from the Persist trigger. Absolutely. Um, speaking of counters, uh, Swan Song in the deck, one of the only counter spells, but really important specifically because it's one mana. Um, so artifacts and enchantments are often uh, responsible for ending games. And so being able to stop something that can get rid of one of the cards in this deck that is the engine is extremely important. So, so uh, Swan Song being one blue mana is the reason why it is still existing in the deck. Um, he did mention, I'd love to get a mana drain for the deck, um, but it wasn't really in the stars at the time, but Mana Dream was just reprinted in Commander Legends. Yeah. So, you know, we might open one and uh, the deck might change just a little bit. So, um, you know, having having some counter spells, sure. Um, I don't know if... I, I might value counter spells a little higher than, than they are. 
Um, but I also uh, get targeted when I play counter spells in a specific deck. So we'll see. You know, I don't I don't know what the real answer is there. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually a little surprised when I was reading Chris's primer that he was looking to add a mana drain, but didn't just have the very simple counter spell blue blue in the deck but you know you know reading more into the primary talks about how mana intensive the deck is and mana drain actually being an extra ramp spell as well because you do get colorless mana on uh the next the next main phase right right so another card here that we've got that is going to help help do some work is scrap mastery so scrap mastery is a sorcery for three red red Uh, each player exiles all artifacts from their graveyard then sacks all artifacts they control and then all the cards that they exile from their graveyard they put onto the battlefield so you're really just flipping all of your artifacts from from play to graveyard and vice versa um in in many cases this card can can get you all of the things that you perhaps lost uh, early in the game if you didn't have Marchesa back in the late game and and can really hose a lot of people's mana bases if they are focusing on playing with rocks. Yeah, yeah. Someone casts an austere command and they destroy all artifacts and enchantments and you're like, oh no, uh, it's so darn. What am I going to so do darn now? Much sadness. Cast Scrap Mastery. All right, we're back in business, boys. <laughs> Yeah, I have I have a Duretti Scrap Savant deck and Scrap Mastery I I value so highly. And yeah. this card is is very cheap. If you're playing an artifact deck, you you may be playing Scrap Mastery. Um I don't think it's a card that's particularly under or overplayed. Um but whenever I see it, I go, "Uh-oh, this is probably going to be bad. How what what's in your graveyard again?" And it's usually like, "Oh, I'm going to bring back nine things." Oh, well, that's mm-hmm. way better than me who's losing two and getting none back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, but the, speaking of your your Duretti deck, another card that you play in there that's also played in here. You know, maybe just like a one-off of of your uh, scrap mastery but only for yourself is goblin welder so so goblin welder is a one one goblin artificer that says uh for one red it says tap choose target artifact to player controls and target artifact card in that player's graveyard if both targets are still legal as this ability resolves that player um basically switches them so you're going to sacrifice the one that's on the board and you're going to bring the one from your graveyard back to back to play so you can use this on your own stuff you know sacrifice a simple little treasure or a food token that you have in order to bring back an artifact that someone removed. Maybe someone took out your soul ring or your mana crypt. Um, and uh, we're going to use goblin welder to um, do that. Or you can use it on your opponent to maybe bring back a crappy artifact or something. Absolutely. So this is really the first in the, in the um, sacrifice engine mechanic um, although it's not necessarily something you can do infinitely let's uh let's talk about some sacrifice outlets here so the first one that we've got is arcbound ravager and really one of the one of the most important and and has that modular ability so arcbound ravager says sacrifice an artifact put a plus one plus one counter on arcbound ravager it has modular one so this allows you to sacrifice your artifact creatures if they have those plus one plus one counters on them they're going to get that delayed trigger from marchesa come back and start your engine so you can put counter on things some of these creatures that have when they die they um uh, or, or when they enter the battlefield like a meteor golem when it enters the battlefield destroy target non-land permanent you really want to be able to start throwing things on cards like that or a noxious gear hulk or a you know solemn simulacrum really great because it's it's going to come in you're going to tutor for a land and then you're going to draw a card when it dies so arcbound ravager is really the first sacrifice engine that we that we see in this deck and it's very strong 
Yeah, and you're also going to see some typical aristocrat sacrifice outlets like Ashnod's Altar and Spawning Pit. Um, but since this is also an artifact uh, theme one, you also have Crack Clan Ironworks as a good sacrifice outlet, both for your artifacts and for your artifact creatures. Um, but on top of that, you know some of the some of the best sacrifice outlet stuff that you can see um, is and an interesting uh, tech for the deck is Bolus's Citadel and Time Sieve. So Time Sieve uh, is a Demir card for a blue and a black where you can tap and sacrifice five artifacts to take an extra turn. Uh, and this is going to allow you to potentially take an infinite number of turns as long as you have five artifacts that are returning to the battlefield with plus one, plus one counters. But you have Bolus's Citadel where you can tap and sacrifice 10 permanents uh, and do 10 damage to each one of your opponents on top of Bolus's Citadel giving you so much, so much extra advantage by being able to cast and play cards from the top of your library, take away some life to do it, make sure that the dethrone is happening and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. So, you know, specifically, also, we are not running a Sensei's Divining Top here. So just know Chris is not a monster like we are. So he's not going to go infinite with Bolas' Citadel and Sensei's Divining Top. Um, but I do really think Time Sieve is a very interesting card here. Um, I don't mind people taking infinite turns if you can align that, um, you know, and, and if you're going to win, you're going to win. Um, we've also got Ashnod's Altar and Crack Clan Ironworks. So uh, both of those cards allow you to sacrifice a creature um, and you are going to, well, Ashnod's Altar at least allows you to sacrifice a creature to get two colorless mana and then Crack Clan Ironworks to sacrifice an artifact to get two colorless mana. So <clears throat> he specifically said that if, if you had to only keep one Crack Clan Ironworks would be the one that he would get rid of. Um, but since it's a creature centric deck specifically, and very artifact heavy, both cards do make the cut here. Yeah, I do think it's very interesting uh, as the last uh, sacrifice outlet here, um, having Greater Gargadon, which is a suspend creature that allows you to sacrifice an artifact creature or land in order to remove suspend counters on it to have an, an uninteractable version of sacrifice outlet. Um, so I do think that was very, very interesting. I'd never thought of something like that before. Um, I don't think that really came up in our games, and I would really like to see how it, how it plays out. You know, there's a limit. You can only sacrifice 10, 10 uh, things to it, but I'm interested to see uh, how, how well that one actually works. I, you know, it's funny when I was looking at it, you know, Greater Gargadon has only played in 684 decks based on EDH rack. I thought this was an interesting card. I have literally never seen this card played in Commander. I've seen it played in Modern yep. in the in the deck that cares about <clears throat> all those suspend counters. But I have never seen this card be cast. And although you are, in fact, removing one of the suspend counters, there's there's nothing that they can do about it because it's not on the battlefield. Right. And then if you get a 9-7, you just, you're like, all right, I'll take a 9-7 beast. Like, mm -hmm. it's not nothing. Right. Right. So let's talk about card advantage and tutors. So Marchese's ability makes it easy to build up for, for a lot of card advantage here. So you've got cards like Trinket Mage, Sphinx Summoner, Solemn Simulacrum, Imperial Recruiter, and Baleful Strix that really tutor or ramp or draw cards when they enter the battlefield. So doing these things a lot is going to either help refill your hand or get you the pieces that you need to be able to stay in the game or ahead. Right. And uh, as we mentioned before, this being an aristocrat style deck, you're also going to be playing cards like Grim Horsebacks. Whenever you sacrifice uh, a non-token creature, you get to draw a card on top of playing some of these really interesting Planeswalkers. So Tezzeret the Seeker, Dak Faden, and Nicol Bolas Dragon God having a lot of uh, synergies to help you draw cards, keep your opponents down, um, and then also tutor specifically for artifacts with Tezzeret the Seeker. Right. Yeah. So and then I think the card that I like I like the most, and I do think that this is an underplayed card, 
maybe it's just something where we haven't seen a ton of people playing it, but it's Spark Double. So Spark Double can enter as a copy of a creature, but it can actually enter as a copy of a Planeswalker. A lot of people don't have it enter as a copy of a Planeswalker. You could get a second Marchesa, which is really great. So Spark Double for three and a blue, it's a zero, zero. Basically, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, What's the word I'm looking for? A copy? A clone? Thank you. It's a clone. Thank you. The mm. word I was looking for was clone. But so it enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it if it's a creature. So interesting enough, it already comes in with a counter on it. So if it dies and it is a creature, it's just going to come back. That's right. That's right. And it'll come back. And as long as it has a legal target, it'll come back as a copy of another creature with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Uh, right, right. So being in Grixis, you're also going to be able to play uh, all the all the tutors that you want to play, like um, Diabolic Tutor, uh, or sorry, Diabolic Intent and Demonic Tutor. Uh, obviously, Diabolic Intent having the extra ability um, of sacrificing a creature, which is important in Aristocrats deck. Just a tutor a piece that you're looking for. Um, you're probably going to be tutoring for a sacrifice outlet like most Aristocrats decks are going to do. And in this one, Arcbond Ravager is going to be our number one thing that we look for. Absolutely. And so, um, and then Trinket Mage um, gets you a couple of cards here, specifically the Osleth, Soul Ring, Skull Clamp, and Nile Spellbomb. So, Nile Spellbomb is actually a very good card. I don't see it played a ton. Um, it's an artifact for one. You can sacrifice it to exile all cards from somebody's graveyard. Really important, especially in the meta that I play in. And then when it's put into a graveyard, you can pay a black and draw a card. So, it really recycles itself. And, um, really allows you to to control what people are and are not going to get back if you're playing against somebody else who has a lot of artifacts you might want to exile their graveyard before you cast your scrap mastery yeah no definitely and as you as you said in our in our play groups and our play styles now including chris you know we play we play a lot of games with chris too there's more than just my graveyard to remove which is fantastic so we can remove other people's <laughs> graveyards now yeah so skull clamp really good card that's going to allow you to draw two cards whenever one of your whenever the equipped creature dies these modular creatures are very small so those will draw you cards. Another really good draw engine here, Joy or a Weatherlight Captain. When you cast a historic spell, draw a card. So, so those are artifacts and legendaries and sagas. Um, there's a lot of uh, artifacts and a couple of legendaries in this deck. So you're probably going to get some mileage off of, off of a Joyra. For sure. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk about some removal that yes. this deck might have? Yeah, yeah. So the first removal here, the first removal spell that we have is on a Noxious Gear Hulk, uh, a 5 4 for 4 and a black black. It's a construct from the Kaladesh block. Uh, Menace, when it enters the battlefield, you can destroy target creature. If uh, cre you destroy target um, yeah, creature, if a creature is destroyed this way, you would gain life uh, equal to its toughness. So um, this allows you to gain a little bit of life. And if you have some problematic creatures out, you can uh, potentially sacrifice this to one of your sack outlets that we went over um, and keep bringing it back at the end of your at the end of every turn. Right. Really. So yeah, it so seems we've, really strong. So we've already mentioned a few cards in this deck that do uh, require life in order to activate, like Unspeakable Symbol. In order to make that dethrone trigger uh, work better with Marchesa, knock just Gearhawk in there to kind of counterbalance that and gain some life back. Because if someone sees you low and they might see an opportunity to take you out, maybe you don't want to be that low. You take out, take out a creature, gain some life. Noxious Gearhawk, Enter the Battlefield Effects. So good. Love this card so much. I played it in all my Black Reanimator decks. It's fantastic. Right, right. You know, we've also got 
um, some removal in the form of uh, Chaos Warp and Bedevil. They're just a couple of spells here that, that hit um, targets that might be more difficult for this deck to remove. Um, and then Meteor Golem, a creature that we mentioned earlier, when it enters the battlefield, you destroy a target um, non-land permanent that an opponent controls. Um, and then we have some board wipes with Blasphemous Act, Cyclonic Rift to bounce everything, and then All is Dust. All is Dust is a spell that exiles all colored permanents. So very strong spell here. Um, something that uh, a lot of people have trouble playing against. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Because most of the time your deck has color identity in most of it. And if you're not playing a full artifact deck, this is going to hit you hard. It's going to leave your own board available. Um, we also see a couple pieces of spot removal with Chaos Warp and Bedevil because of their utility to be able to remove lots of different types of permanents. Absolutely. And then and then one on a planeswalker here, a Duretti, a, uh ingenious iconoclast, um, is is a sack outlet, um, but it also allows you to bring back things. So um you may sack an artifact if you destroy I'm sorry, it doesn't bring back if you do destroy target artifact or creature. So you're making a lot of artifacts. This could be like a sack outlet for its minus one. Um, and if you sacrifice, let's say one of these creatures with a counter on it, you've got a, a destroy you've got really two destroy spells then. So, so very, very good there. Um, mana ramp. So the deck does not run a metal worker. So specifically, it was, um, it was in the deck, but it actually shifted over to uh, Psy Master Thopterist. Um, <clears throat> but since there were not a ton of things that that were benefiting from that, it often died before it was untapped. So um, instead, we're running like signets that are in the Grixis colors here. Yeah, um, interesting point that, that Chris pointed out is that he only uses the Talisman of Dominance in the Grixis um, cycle of Talismans just because it, it does have a lot of stuff that does cost life and not a ton of stuff to gain life back. So he doesn't want to run all of the Talismans and risk being too greedy in the, in the early game in order to use those Talismans for color pips and, and get to too low of a life total right from the start. Um, so that's, that's the reason why Talisman of Dominance is the only Talisman in there. Right, right. And there, I mean, there's an Ancient Tomb that taps for two mana. I do not see the, uh, the, the elusive Temple of the False God here, but that's probably fine because there's only 34 lands in this deck. Um, so the deck that, that has these rocks like Gilded, Gilded Lotus and Thran Dynamo that are, that are very large, um, are, it, you know, Chris mentioned are a relic of a different time of commander. So they, you know, they're still used, um, but they, you know, this deck is not, you know, crazy on, on ramp here, but we do have some, so they could be replaced with newer cards like arcane signet. So um, again, there could be some improvements made to the deck, um, but right now it, it works pretty great. Yeah. an arcane signet, you know, seeing a reprint in commander legends. So, the, and, and seeing a reprint at, uh, I can't remember if they're printing this at common or uncommon, but either way, it's going to uh, put Arcane Signet hopefully in a more affordable state. I think it is a few dollars right now. Um, so maybe maybe price is what's keeping you away because maybe you yeah. don't want to spend $5 on a two-mana artifact. You're only going to play, you know, or you're only going to get in your hand once every 10 games you play. Right, that and Thought Vessel, you know, reprinted as well. So So really great. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of win cons here. So I think I think one of the most interesting win cons here is in Fire uh, Reckless Fire Weaver. So it's a human artificer that says when an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it deals one damage to each opponent. 
So if you're going to sack a bunch of things and bring it back, um, you're going to deal a lot of damage, which feels very reminiscent of Perforos God of the Forge, which is also in this deck, which says when a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it deals two damage to each opponent. And since all of these artifact creatures that you're going to be sacking are, in fact, creatures, you're going to be dealing a lot of damage pretty quickly. Yeah, very interesting take on the whole aristocrat style of taking advantage of uh, Perforos with the enter the battlefield uh, of doing two damage every time they enter. Typically, when you're looking at aristocrats deck, it is um, very focused around black and you're doing your um, your your uh, Zulaport cutthroat triggers and all that kind of stuff. But Perforos actually, you know, puts that on another level uh, because you're getting two damage every time something enters the battlefield rather than only dealing one damage every time something dies. So that's right. very cool. Now, my favorite win con in here is actually one that I played in standard um, in a God Pharaoh's gift deck, and that is Marionette Master. So Marionette Master uh, has this really cool keyword ability called Fabricate. Uh, and it has Fabricate 3. So, so whenever Marionette Master's Marionette Master enters the battlefield. You can either choose to get three one one servo tokens, or you can put three plus one plus one counters on Marionette Master. But the second ability is really what's going to kill people. And it says whenever an artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, target opponent loses life equal to Marionette Master's power. So now this can actually double and triple and quadruple when we're talking about a card like the Ozolith, and we can start just throwing throwing a bunch of plus one plus one counters on Marionette Master. And every time you sacrifice one of, or every time your your modular creatures are dying or you're sacrificing them, you can pump Marionette Master on top of start dealing damage to people's face. Yeah, I really like this card a lot. I think it's very strong. Um, and I and I do know this is a card that you do play in Shiray. So I have mm -hmm. I have definitely seen the power. And then again, the deck has uh, one other win con here. I mean, it has a couple. Obviously, you can go infinite turns. But the one that I really like that I've never seen happen is Mirrored and Besieged, an enchantment that allows you... It's a modal enchantment, right? So you pick Mirren or Phyrexian. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mirren is whenever you cast an artifact, you create a mirror. Or Phyrexian, which is usually chosen here, is at the beginning of your end step, draw, draw a card, then discard a card. If you have 15 or more artifacts in your graveyard, target opponent loses the game. So um, it's not necessarily, I'm just going to win. I'm going to take out a, a, someone that I might have trouble beating later in the game um, <clears throat> to win the game. Or I guess if you're down to just one person, you win. So I, I, I have really enjoyed going through this deck. This is a deck that I would honestly, I would put this together to play. I have most of these cards. They're just in other decks. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, fan, it's absolutely fantastic. It's in Grixis, which is amazing. You can put as much support in it as you want. It's, it's an aristocrats, which is amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and I did have an artifacts deck, uh, in Esper for a while. So it's interesting to see. Um, the support in red for artifacts versus the support in white for artifacts. Uh, I think you could definitely make arguments for both, but uh, absolutely, it's a great, great take on Marchesa um, with the with the whole modular effect behind it. Very, very unique. I really, really like it. Right. This was a really fun deck. So Chris, thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. Um, we were so excited to do this deck tech this week. So um, we look forward to playing more games with you and everybody, please go check out this deck. If you want to find Chris again, you can find him on Twitter at Kelsum Gaming. Um, we will have his deck linked below. Um, and that is actually it for this week. Um, we want to thank you all for listening. Um, don't forget this week, we're going to be playing Commander with Dan Krause and Lane from uh, the Man Rock podcast. Um, we will be streaming next week with Tap That MTG for our uh, art 
art-themed game. Um, so if you want to contact, you can find our, our podcast on Twitter at guardianprojectpodcast.com, or I'm sorry, online. That's not Twitter. You can find us online at theguardianprojectpodcast.com. You can find our social media on Twitter at guardianpod and our gameplay videos at youtube.com slash guardianproject. Uh, you can email us at guardianprojectpod at gmail.com. And then for me, you can find me on Twitter at ATFlory. And you can find me on Twitter at WormCoilEngine. And uh, that's it for episode 75. We will be back next week. And I um, just want to give a special shout out to our producer, Ryan, uh, at Ryan Nichols. Um, if you want to check out him and tweet at him and tell him how good of a job he's doing. And, uh, you know, I know we just did his deck tech, but special shout out to Chris Wolf, Kelsum Gaming, for all of the artwork that he's been doing for our channel and everything. Um, amazing amazing stuff definitely check out both of his deck building and all of his graphic arts yes yes he does all of our thumbnails for every video and he did our overlay for our stream so if you've seen it and it looks a lot more professional now uh, we have Chris to thank thanks Chris a, thank you <laughs> have a great week everyone we will be back next week like, but, like normal I guess I didn't need to tell everybody that but I mean, we'll be back I mean, yeah. See, see, see. We're not going anywhere, I guess is what I'm saying. We're going to have an episode for, for your Thanksgiving. It'll to be episode 76. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>